The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. I just want to tell you, I know you're a little younger than I am, but, uh, you know, I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro at the time, pitcher in the Negro League, went on to become a great pitcher in the pros in the Major League Baseball after Jackie Robinson. His name is Satchel Page. What's up, everybody? This is the great Negro Dex of the Iron Pitch podcast. And I'm only saying that because it's okay because President Joe Biden said it. So it's definitely okay if I say it. <laughs> you know, I do I do want to be referred to as the great Negro from here on out. Just so if you see me in public, go for it. You know, but everybody's making a big deal out of that. And, and like I say, I understand why it's you know, not acceptable in this day and age to use the term Negro, but... I don't have a problem with it. My only issue is it's okay because he said it. But if another president with orange skin would have, were to have said that, it would have been the end of the republic and the whole country would have came crashing down. We would have went through riots and, you know, all this. And so, you know, the double standard is the only thing that bothers me. But like I, said, I don't have a problem with the term Negro simply because that is what it was called back in the day. I say context is everything. I don't think the man was going out of his way to shame black people by referring to Satchel Page as the great Negro, which he was that at the time. He will always be that. And the Negro Leagues was a thing, and that's what we called it. So I'm not appalled by his usage of the word. But at the same time, I tell people, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, what, 80? No, dude's as old as a mummy, man. The dude's like 150 years old. I don't know how old Joe Biden is. But like, man, this is an old white dude. I'm more than positive at some point in this man's life, he has said the N-word with the hard R on it at the end. I can I can almost promise that. <laughs> That's just the way things are. And that is just the time and age and day that he grew up in, in America back then. Like I said, it's not like that now, though. Like I said, y'all heard me on my last podcast. I've been called the N-word with the hard R. More times than I can count while wearing this uniform. But speaking of wearing uniforms, I'd just like to say a happy belated Veterans Day to all my fellow veterans out there. Thank you for your service. Thank you to all those who are still serving. And thank you for what y'all do, man. You know, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to be a part of the veteran community. I just absolutely love my fellow veterans and my military men and women. You know, we all share this unique, special bond, and regardless of when we served, what war we served, or if we didn't go to war, or what branch, we all we are all able to just come together and recognize, you know, with the struggle that it takes to wear the uniform and to keep this country free. You know, we deserve so much more than what this country gives us due to the sacrifices so many of our friends have made, service members killed in action overseas, and shedding their blood on foreign soil that so that we over here might continue to live free 
But there is one reason that we all love being veterans, and that is for the free meals on November 11th on Veterans Day. My God, America, thank you so much. You know, who can pass up a free Grand Grand Slam meal at Denny's? Or who could pass up a free meal at Chili's? You know, typically, I don't like to partake in a lot of those free things for veterans on Veterans Day. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I know we all signed up so that we could eventually have these free meals. But personally, I don't like going because standing in those long, long, long lines full of hungry veterans wearing their thank you, thank me for my service hats. Standing in those long lines just reminds me of being in the army and the old saying that we always used to get told, hurry up and wait. You know, so I'm really adverse to just standing in lines for a free meal. Personally, I'd rather just go during the week and pay for my meal full price and not have to worry, worry about the line. But as I said on my on the Iron Pits Facebook page, this year I'm feeling a little bit more patriotic. I'm feeling a little bit more freedom and just feeling a lot more love for America and the veteran community just with all the craziness we've had going on in this country and the amount of Americans crapping on our own country you know so this year you know I actually took off from work early and I told my wife you know what we're gonna go out we're gonna enjoy a free meal and we went to Chili's man I went to Chili's and thank God that there was really no line because I got there kind of late so when I get there I put on my 10th Mountain Division, thank me for my service shirt. And as soon as I walk in, this little white kid, this kid was probably about seven, eight years old. He walks up to me, he looks at me, and he says, Mr. Negro, thank you for your service. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But no, this little white kid, he did run up to me, man. He said, thank you for your service, sir. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out this challenge coin and he gave it to me man then i went over to his family at the table and they all thanked me for my service man it was just absolutely phenomenal and like i said that is the one thing i love about the veteran community is that for the most for a lot of us color is just not a thing we were just all green like i said yeah you get those that come in that just you know they go the extreme one way or the other but for the most part and when you're in combat you don't care the color of the person next to you. You only care that they got the same uniform and that he's going to watch your back or she's going to watch your back when it hits the fan. That's all that matters. And so I sat talking with his family. You know, he was a Vietnam veteran and he served with the first Cav over in Vietnam. I mean, this kid was just the sweetest little kid, man. You know, and they and when the way this kid came up to me and just opened up to me and started talking to me and thanked me for my service, it just puts to bed this whole notion that America... And white people are just these evil, evil breed of people that just hate people with the, with skin color like mine. And that is just not the case at all. They saw me as a fellow brother, a fellow veteran and nothing more. There was no judgment made on me on anything else other than thank you for serving just as I served. And to that family, that little kid, thank you all so much. I mean, that absolutely made my day. You know, I'm going to put that little coin in my collection and I'm always going to remember where I got that coin from. And I say it was a it was a great experience. And I also had another great experience this past week. Uh, shout out to Professor Barry Denton, who was also a retired 
LMPD officer. He's actually the guy that hired me and brought me on to the police department. He's also a professor over at U of L. And so Dr. Denton invited me over to the campus to talk to three of his classes about policing in America in this day and age and just what my experience was during the riots and what my experience has been as a cop for the last 12 years and also my experience down on the border. So I'm not going to lie, going in, I was absolutely nervous. Why? Because I hear all the craziness that goes on on these college campuses. And my first notion was, man, these kids are going to come in here and they are going to just try to rip me apart limb from limb. And I ain't going to lie, I was mentally prepared and ready to go. But I knew going in that these kids are expecting to be offended. And these kids are expecting me to say some crazy off the wall stuff. Even though what, the things I'm not I'm saying are not crazy and off the wall. They are just the truth and things from my perspective. So when I went in, I went in not with the hope of changing anybody's mind. I didn't go in with the hope of making somebody conservative. I went in just simply looking to express what I have been through and what my individual experience has been. Not to discard or discredit their experiences or the experiences of their friends, but to simply explain what I have been through in this country and what I've been through as an officer and as an agent on down on the border and the things I've seen with my own eyes. I did not go in looking for confrontation into a fin. And the reception I received from these students who are definitely young and definitely woke was actually positive. Nobody really rebutted me and was like, you're, you know, you're evil. You're Uncle Tom and you're all these evil things. Man, these kids actually sat and listened to me. And nobody really had too many questions, honestly. And I was surprised. Absolutely surprised, man. And these kids' minds, they seemed very open and receptive to everything I had to say. Now, whether they agreed with it or not, I don't know. But it was actually very refreshing to have had that experience with some very young people, you know, in those classes. And it was so positive, man. It just really rejuvenated me. It just made me feel good about the future, you know, this country and this city. You know, a couple people hit me up afterwards like, man, I want to be a cop because of you. And man, it, it was just absolutely phenomenal, man. I mean, it, I wish I could have more of those interactions. But like I tell people, you have to realize there's a certain way to go into these situations and a certain way to talk to people. And like I said, now, I'm not in there watching my pronouns. I'm not going. I'm not doing all that. Like I said, I'm just being straight up and honest, but I'm doing it in as respectful of a manner as possible. I say, I'm not walking on eggshells. I told them everything how I felt. But I say, I wasn't coming at it at them from a, as a hardline conservative. I just came at them as Dexter. That's it. I just came as me. And they received that. So to the students at L, the L, you know, staff and to, you know, Dr. Barry didn't thank you all so much for having me. I really hope that I can do this again. And I hope that I've inspired you all. And hopefully I have some future candidates that are going to be stepping up and putting on the LMPD badge here in the near future. And like I said, just going to the situation expecting so much wokeness, you know, I was absolutely caught off guard. And I was actually caught off guard by something else. I feel like we're starting to see a little bit more pushback and blowback from those in this country that are stuck in the middle that are not part of the woke majority. 
I feel like citizens stuck in these cities that have been defunded and just absolutely crime ridden because people have decided to defund the police. And I feel like the people in these defunded cities are starting to make more of a ruckus with their vote as opposed to actually going out here and burning down the city. For example, Minneapolis voters chose to keep their police department as opposed to completely dismantling their police department and having it taken over by some kooky, crazy idea by these far left defund the police politicians that are in the council up there. But the citizens kicked back and said, no, man, this proposal, they lost by 12 points. And in this article by NBC News, it says it sounds like a definitive smackdown of the defund the police movement, said Rachel Moran, a professor at the University of St. Thomas School of Law in Minnesota. I think it's way more complicated than that. It's worth paying attention to the concerns of the people who voted no. It's also also worth noting how unhappy Minneapolis residents are with their police. And she also said a no vote was not an endorsement of the police department. She said it, it was more of an expression of concern about what yes meant. And she is absolutely correct. Man, Minneapolis, the crime has skyrocketed. And that's not just in Minneapolis. Any place that has gone down this road has seen a radical rise in crime. I mean, even here in Louisville, Kentucky, we are experiencing crime rates never before seen. And you're asking me how bad is Louisville actually? This is how bad Louisville has gotten. Louisville now officially outranks Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Chicago in homicides per capita. That is how bad and how off the rails things are here in the great city of Louisville, Kentucky. And everybody's wondering why the crime rate is so high and why aren't the police doing anything? Because y'all let these far left politicians come in here and tell you that you don't need the police. And that the police are evil and that the police are killing black people in your neighborhoods. So guess what the police going to do? We're not going to police like we used to. And guess what happens when the police stop policing? You end up with a city like Louisville who broke last year's homicide record. Now, I think we're sitting at like 174, 175 right now. Man, we might hit 200 by the end of the year. I never thought I'd see the day we would have that many bodies in the streets in Louisville. And honestly, I'm still waiting for the citizens here to rise up and actually start voicing their displeasure with the number of black kids being killed in this city and just black bodies, period, man. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. You cannot defund and defame and discredit your police department and make war with them and then expect to live in a city with a low crime rate. The way you treat your police is going to reflect the type of service you get. When I say we are still out here giving good service, but my God, proactivity is down and crime is up. And you want officers who don't live in these communities to come here and put it all on the line so that you can live safe. But if they make a mistake in doing so and they are crucified, they're going to lose everything that they've worked for. They're going to lose everything that keeps them and their family secure while trying to make your family safe and secure. And officers might love these communities that they police in, but risk their livelihoods in order to do so. So it's easier and safer to just fall back and react instead of going out and being proactive. So, like I said, I'm still waiting for the citizens here to kind of get tired 
of this current mess that we're in and want something more, want something better. And we have an, a mayoral election coming up next next year. So I'm really interested, interested to see how the city goes forward. But my personal opinion, I don't think it's going to change. I think we're going to vote in another Democrat and it's just going to be more of the same, you know, but even in a place like Portland, Portland, Oregon, man, Portland has been off the rails as well. Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, who had his condo attacked by Antifa. Ted Wheeler was the biggest defunder of police and just absolute a far left lunatic, man. And this dude is now running for mayor again. But he is running on the platform of calling for more cops after a failed defund the police experiment. In this article from Outkick, it says Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler is asking once again for his department to be funded a year removed from the from his failed defund the police campaign. According to the Daily Wire, the trimming down in personnel as a result of the defunding has put the Portland Police Department short 130 officers well below the authorized amount. Details from the report add that Wheeler oversaw an 83% spike in homicides in 2020 as a result of less policing. Many Portlanders no longer feel safe in their city, Wheeler stated. Business owners have closed up shop for fear of doing business in high-risk areas. Commuters fear for their safety, whether taking public transport or going by foot. Parents are scared to let their children play outside. I wonder why, Mayor Wheeler, I wonder why. It took you a whole year to figure this out, bro. Are you serious? I could have told you this from the start this was going to be the outcome. But who am I? I don't know. I'm just a Negro in a uniform. I don't know anything. All of this has been a political knee-jerk reaction to a few bad episodes with police officers that do not make up a majority of the interactions officers have with the public. But because of politics, that's why. Like I said, people are playing politics with your careers and people are playing politics with your lives so that they can stay in office. And who's suffering for it? The community. That's it. And things are off the charts in Seattle as well. It's everybody, I'm sure everybody remembers Chaz in Seattle where they started their own little city within the city and their own little police department. It was an absolute joke, but it was a no-go area for police officers and citizens and I felt so bad for the people that worked down there and had businesses and homes there was no police response able to get there and the clowns running the circus there weren't able to do anything and these people suffered for months and that's all at the hands of the Seattle government you know and I just read an article from Newsmax that states Seattle so dangerous they will escort public workers out of the city King County will be escorting public sector workers based in Seattle's downtown and Pioneer Square, to a nearby train station and ferry terminal on November 15th as crime increases to record levels in Washington's largest city. King County is launching a walking bus pilot program where county employees can join their colleagues in facilities, management division, security escort, each evening walking to the King Street Station at the Coleman Dock from the downtown campus. This is ridiculous. You already had a police department. You had people willing to put on the uniform to serve and protect the citizens in your city. And you tied their hands from doing so. And now you're having to fork out more money and come up with new ways and ideals trying to reinvent the will that was already working because of politics. But never fear. The citizens in Seattle, they are at their wits end. 
and they are tired and they are making their voices heard with their vote. The citizens in Seattle elected their first Republican attorney general since the 1980s. And she's the first female to ever do it. And she beat out some crazy left wing nutcase that's a police abolitionist. And not only did she beat her, she won with a 58 to 41 percentage win. That is phenomenal. And especially in a place like Seattle. Man, I honestly thought Seattle was so far gone. We might as just well go ahead and sell it to Russia and China. But as I said, people are waking up from the wokeness and people are starting to realize that this whole defund the police thing is absolute nonsense. People are tired of living in fear. People are tired of living in filth. People are tired of not being able to let their kids outside to play. Who wants to live like that? Nobody does. Republican or Democrat, left or right. Nobody wants to live in a crime ridden neighborhood. But some of us have just gotten so comfortable living in chaos that it's normal that we can't see anything other than what we have. You know, as bad as things seem as they are in this country right now, the American fighting spirit and the spirit of freedom and liberty continues to live on. It continues to live on even in these far left leaning cities, man. You just can't silence that. You just can't continue to you know, corner American citizens in a wall and force crime upon us and force all these far left ideologies on us and think that it's just going to be OK in the end. Eventually, we're going to rise up and speak, fight back. And like I said, it's starting to happen and it's starting with our votes. And I really hope and pray that it continues to spread far and wide across this country because we need it now more than ever. And another place that needs it right now is Kenosha, Wisconsin due to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial that is currently ongoing. It's, today is currently Tuesday, and I believe that they're getting ready, they're, that the jury's deliberating right now. And so I'm going to weigh in on what I think about this whole thing. And these are just my opinions and my views. Some of you might agree, some of you might not agree. And guess what? This is America. That is absolutely okay. We don't always have to agree on everything. I don't expect everyone to co-sign on me. I do not want to live in an echo chamber where people just pat me on the back. Way to go, Dexter. You really showed them and told them. No, I, like I said, I don't want to have to necessarily be right. I am just looking more so to be reasonable in this day and age. You know, I'm not looking for a win for the far right. I'm not looking for a win for the far left. I'm looking for a win for the American people, the Constitution, and common sense. And so my personal opinion on this whole thing is, there's a saying I've always heard, it says, everybody wants to be a gangster till it's time to do real gangster shit. And well, in Kenosha, some real gangster shit happened. And people are not able to deal with the fallout of what happened. Emotionally, people aren't able to handle and deal with it. But regardless of if you're in support of Kyle or not, if you feel for the people that he shot or not, all these people got exactly what they wanted. In my book, I Am Pitts, there's a chapter called, This Is What I Wanted. And in that chapter, I detail the first time I've learned of somebody that I went to high school with and knew that died in Iraq as I was in Kuwait getting ready to cross the border. And I go into further detail about how it feels to lose people in my battalion in our sister company and I talk about how I was so excited 
and just elated and just so eager to get into combat. All I wanted to do was carry a rifle and go fight the enemy and kill because it looked so glorious on the TV as I watched Black Hawk down. All I wanted to do was just fight and I just wanted the glory of war and combat. But when the reality of what I wanted struck and reality set in and people I knew died and then I myself almost died, I had to take a look at myself and realize I can't blame these other people and these insurgents. I have to blame myself because I put myself here. I signed the papers to come here. I made the choice to come here. I made the choice to sign up for the infantry. And I had to make peace with the fact that this is what I wanted. And I was now in it and there was no way out of it. Everybody has their own personal opinions about Cal Rittenhouse. I say I've listened to some of the trial, but as I told y'all, I get paid to go to court and I don't even want to be there getting paid. Like I say I'm damn sure not going to sit in my free time and listen to lawyers and judges go back and forth. I have tuned in the bits and pieces of it, but for the most part, I've stayed away from it. And I've emotionally, I'm just not attached to it. I should be, but I'm just not. I've just dealt with all this stuff too long. I don't not gonna say I don't care, but I'm just emotionally removed from it. So I feel like I'm able to look at it from an outside perspective without emotion and bias. But say what you want to say, but I don't think Hal Rittenhouse is a bad kid or a bad person. I personally don't believe that he went there that day looking to kill somebody. I believe that he is like me when I was 17, wanting and urging to get into the mist and help people and fight and do the right thing. You know, you're a bit, you're an idealist when you're 17 and the ideals and the way things play out in your mind. You know, you don't think of the consequences that could proceed from the decisions you make at 17. I was an idiot at 17. Some might debate that I'm still an idiot now, especially my wife. <laughs> you know, but just he's a 17 year old kid. And I think that his heart was in the right place. But I don't think his mind was able to handle where his heart was, you know, prior to the day, you know, he was out cleaning up graffiti in the streets where people had spray painted stuff. You know, the kid was a volunteer firefighter and a cadet and, you know, wanted to he wanted to be a first responder. This kid legitimately wanted to help people. He wanted to get into a profession where he could go and help people. I don't meet a whole lot of kids like that this day and age. So I believe that he is possibly a kid, a good character with good intent. But still, when you're 17, no matter how good your character is, you're an idiot and you're going to make stupid decisions. And that's why kids need strong mentors, people to guide them and direct them. And he did not have that with him that night. And so my argument is I agree with a lot of people that say Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there. I absolutely 100% agree. I don't think he should have been there. But that is not saying that he did not have the right to be there. He absolutely had the right to be there, just as everybody else did that was destroying the city. They shouldn't have been there either. So don't say that Kyle shouldn't have been there, but these other people could. So don't judge him and not judge the others that were there to sow destruction and destroy the city. But regardless, 
Cal and all those people involved in the protests and riots that night are all American citizens. And American citizens have the right to travel about in this country wherever, whenever they choose to. And people have pushed back on me saying that I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse should have been there. And I understand the pushback. Like I said, I'm not saying it from a point of he didn't have the right to be there. He did. But as a 17 year old kid carrying an AR-15, you need guidance. And then I hear the complaint. Well, Dexter, you could join the military at 17 and go and fight overseas. And there's kids 17 joining the army and dying. True, but false. Let me explain to you. When you are 17, yes, you can sign up and join the military, but you have to have a parent's signature in order to do so. And then you can go to boot camp and graduate at 17 and get to your unit. But guess what? You cannot deploy with your unit if they are overseas and you are still 17. You have to wait for your 18th birthday. So what is that saying? Yes, 17 year olds can be responsible enough to join the military and carry a weapon in defense of our country, but with extreme supervision. For those that have been in the military, such as me, I was lower enlisted. I came in as an E3. Some of my buddies came in as an E1. And you know what? You can't do a damn thing in the military as an E3 or below without having an answer for it. Like I said, if I would have farted too long and too hard, I would have had a sergeant or a team leader on my ass asking me why I farted for so long and so hard unnecessarily. And I would be punished for doing so. Yes, you are responsible, but you have somebody that is responsible for you on top of you day and night, making sure that you don't do something stupid. That is why in the military we have a chain of command. You can't take an E1 or E2 or an E3 and freaking put them as a squad leader their first year in the military because they'd have no clue what the hell they're doing. You know, I don't know Kyle's exact level of training, but he seems comfortable enough with a rifle. His finger placement was great. But at the same time, there should have been somebody with him supervising him directly. See, the other thing about the military is we have this thing called the battle buddy system. My battle buddy from the army. He was on the podcast on the Memorial Day episode, my boy Cox. He and I were joined at the hip. From the moment you get in boot camp, you are assigned a battle buddy. You don't go anywhere by yourself. If you go to take a crap, he better come with you. If you go to take a piss, he better come with you. If you go to eat, he comes with you. If you go to call home, he comes with you. Your battle buddy is there to watch your back and to also make sure you keep from doing stupid stuff. Kyle did not have a battle buddy that night. And I honestly believe that had somebody with a little bit more experience, a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more wisdom have been there with him, maybe, just maybe, possibly, this whole thing could have been avoided. Because it takes knowledge and experience to see a situation unfolding and to kind of envision what the outcome and the circumstances are going to be in the situation if you make a certain decision and see you don't have that at 17 at 17 all you have is delusions of grandeur you're not able to forecast what you think is going to happen at 17 so do i have a problem with him being there yes i still say as a 17 year old kid unsupervised he shouldn't have been there had there been with somebody there with him, I would feel a lot different.
and seeing him up on the stand give his testimony and crying, I'm not going to lie. That kind of hit me in the feels. But at the same time, a part of me, I just cannot have sympathy because he put himself in that situation. And because he did, he now has to live the rest of his life and carry this burden of taking two lives. When you're 17, you're not supposed to have to take lives in your own community. When you're 17, you're not supposed to have to shoot three people as you're fleeing to you know, to preserve yourself and save yourself. That's not what 17-year-olds are supposed to be doing. 17-year-olds do not possess the emotional intelligence to be able to carry out that act. And you saw it on the stand. Some people say he was crying. His crying was fake. You know, I don't know. I can't judge him on that. I can see why some might say it was fake. You know, maybe his lawyers coached him into it. I don't know. But at the same time, I've seen grown men who I've served with that are tough guys break down and cry as, as such as he did on that stand because they killed somebody. They killed the enemy, an enemy that was trying to kill them. If a soldier in combat pulls the trigger and snatches a soul and he has trouble with it, why would you think a 17 year old kid still in high school would be able to handle that? You know, then the argument is, you know, over the weapon, you know, the AR-15, everybody wants to argue, you know, the constitutionality of it and should he have had it or not. Like I said, I don't know the law and I don't know, really know if he transported it across state lines. Like I said, I've not paid that much attention, but this is what I'll say. You have the right in this country to defend yourself and how you choose to defend yourself. If somebody's coming at you with deadly force or some, what you perceive to be deadly force, you are allowed to use that exact amount of force. And of course, it's different from state to state. But overall, you do not have to wait to become somebody's victim. This kid was chased down. He was retreating. Chased down. Somebody fired a shot. And see, what people need to understand about our country and the Constitution. And I have always said this. Yes, Americans, we have freedom of assembly. We can travel where we want in this country. Americans, we have the right to bear arms. We can carry weapons, you know, and it's, you know, per state to state, it changes and it's different. But overall, we can have our firearms. But what people don't understand is that just because something is legal and the Constitution says that we can do such does not mean that we can just really nearly go about and do whatever we want without thinking that there are going to be consequences and repercussions. See, freedom and liberty are awesome things in this country, but they don't come cheap. Freedom and liberty comes with great responsibilities and the choices that you make based upon your freedoms and your rights. They have consequences. There's nothing in the Constitution that says I can't go out here and sleep with multiple women. Nothing in the Constitution says that. Nothing in state law says I can't do that. But see, knowledge and wisdom will tell you that's not a good idea. Don't do that. And like I said, just because we can do something does not necessarily mean we should. I am 37 years old and I like bourbon. There's nothing that says that I can't drink as much as I want to drink. However, but if I go out here every day and I am downing bottles of bourbon every day and my liver starts to fail and I die, that's on me. The Constitution didn't say it. Tell me, 
how much bourbon I had to drink or I could drink. I made the choice to drink as much as I wanted because that's my freedom of choice. That's my liberty. But there are consequences to that. You know, we live in this day and age where people are just hardline constitutionalists, you know, shall not be infringed upon or I'm an American. I can go wherever and do whatever I want. You absolutely can. But if you are not of common sense, you are going to walk yourself into a situation that you don't want to be in. And then when it's all said and done, you're standing on the stand crying because you had to kill multiple people. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. And it's the same for the people that were shot and killed by Mr. Rittenhouse. These are not victims in my eyes. They didn't have to be there. They chose to be there. They chose to chase after a guy with a rifle. And Kyle Rittenhouse had every right to defend himself. I will not take that from that young man. And personally, I don't think he ever should have been arrested. I think he should have been detained questioned and then released because from my, when I watched the video all I saw was a person retreating trying to protect himself he gets thrown to the ground somebody assaults him with the skateboard he fires his weapon in self-defense another guy comes up to him with a gun tries to shoot him and he pops that guy there is nothing about this case to me that says this was murder I don't his I don't believe his intent was to go there to kill people but I know why people think he did because he goes here trying to help carrying an AR-15. But my thing is, if you're going to criticize him for carrying an AR-15, why are you all not criticizing the people that rushed me all last year during the riots here in Louisville? Everybody carrying their body armor and AR-15. What about when Infact came to Louisville? They were decked out and they shot two of their own people. Are you not going to criticize them for carrying a rifle to a situation that's already hostile? So why are we only trying to hold Cal Rittenhouse accountable when there are tons of other people there that are just as responsible for what happened that night? So if you ask me, this entire situation should have never unfolded. Kenosha should have never burned in the first place. Why? Because Jacob Blake, who sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend and she had an EPO against him, decides that he's going to try to grab a knife and stab and kill a police officer and get shot in the process? And because people are so stupid and short-sighted and their minds have been completely kidnapped by the media, they start burning down the city for a black man that sexually assaulted his ex-girlfriend. The city should have never burned. And the politicians all sat there and watched. The politicians told the police officers to stand down. So y'all let the city burn for a rapist? That's why you burn down the city? That ain't got nothing to do with black injustice. But here we are. People are making this thing whole thing about race. Cal Rittenhouse shot and killed two white people. And he shot a third person who was white. So why is race even coming into this matter? You know, some lunatic nut job leftist politician named Gregory McClavey Said on Twitter, employers, consider giving your black employees a day or two off after the Rittenhouse verdict. Regardless of the outcome, it's going to be hard for black people to work and it isn't fair to expect them to. Bro, what the F? What does this have to do with black people? Nobody black was shot during this thing. But some odd reason, you and your wokeness, God bless me. I'm telling you all, just 
woke white people drive me insane. All he's trying to do is get some kudos and get some clout. Trying to be the great Negro savior. That's all it is. Man, it ain't got nothing to do with race whatsoever. And to the all the people that like that comment, yo, I, please put yourselves on a spaceship and launch your asses out into space and get off this earth. For the love of God, man. Oh, my God. Like, my blood pressure is just boiling because people do this stuff intentionally. And people are buying this hook, line, and sinker, man. And just playing into it because people are so over-emotional of this whole thing. So I hope when they come back with the verdict today, I hope and pray that they find Cal Rittenhouse not guilty. Maybe on some lesser charges they could find him guilty on. But guilty of murder? No, sir, I don't think so. But like I said, at the same time, I want him to you know, be not guilty. I don't think this young man deserves to go to jail for the rest of his life because he was at a place that he had the right to be and he was the had the right to defend himself. That does that is not cause to put that kid in jail for the rest of his life. But like I said, at the same time, I do not feel bad for him on the stand crying because he put himself in the situation. And if there is definitely one person I do not feel bad for, it is the child molester himself, Mr. Rosenbaum, who got exactly what he wanted and wished for. That's Antifa, man. Oh, we got a gun, baby. Oh, they shoot. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that ask, receive, and he that seek, find. I don't know if Mr. Rosenbaum was much of a Christian, not to pass judgment on the man, but I highly doubt it being the fact that he was an 11 time convicted pedophile and was put on the permanent registry. And I mean, this man offended so many times, 11 victims, man. And here we are, people, you know, Dex, that's not the Christian thing to say, bro. Let me tell you something. I'm not Jesus Christ. And I have a hard time with people that touch and hurt children. A very hard time. And I ain't that holy. I try to be, but I'm not. I'm a man with two children. I cannot imagine somebody such as Joseph Rosenbaum getting a hold of my children. And it sickens me that so many people are rushing to defend this dude. Yeah, he wasn't killed because he was a pedophile. He was shot and killed because he was an idiot. But I have no sympathy for this man whatsoever. And I sleep a little better at night knowing that my kids are a bit safer in this world because Kyle Rittenhouse did the world a favor. But my only concern going forward with this trial and the outcome is where do we go from here? Because we are seeing now where our justice system is under attack. Not just that, self-defense in this country is under attack. This is going to set the tone of precedent for where we go from here as a country in reference to self-defense and our judicial system. People are now already th making threats to the judge 
and threats to the jury trying to change the outcome of this trial by threatening the lives of the jurors and the judge. People are trying to use fear to get their desired outcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that is terrorism. We should not stand for that. It's the same thing that happened with the George Floyd trial in Derek Chauvin case. We cannot afford to let these people scare us into making the decision that they want by way of fear and putting pressure on these people. And if that happens, how can we ever again in this country? How can anyone ever get a fair trial if people, the jurors can be swayed by the public and the threats and the, and the fear that they have of making what they believe is the right choice only to have their lives turned upside down? That is not the type of country I want to live in. And that is not the type of system we have designed this our court system to be. So I'm going to get ready to end this one, man. But I'm going to reiterate again. If you are going to condemn Kyle Rittenhouse for being there and trying to do the right thing, you better convict and condemn all the people that brought this situation about. I'm talking about Jacob Blake, you know, the city council, the mayor and all the people that went to the streets to burn the city down because none of this would have happened without them and the, the, the decisions that they made. Don't just put all this on the shoulders of Kyle Rittenhouse. This is not his load to carry all by himself. You know, there's responsibility and accountability to be had way before he even got involved in this picture. So don't put the weight of this country on a 17 or excuse me, an 18 year old kid's shoulders right now. This shit, like I said, this should have never came to this period. And we're trying to make Kyle Rittenhouse a scapegoat. Because of inept politicians and over emotional people that can't think for themselves in this country. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Iron Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I truly appreciate you. Thank you for the downloads. Continue to tune in. And if you could go to iTunes and leave me a review and rate the show. And like I said, you can also listen on Amazon Music, Google Play, Spotify and iHeartRadio. And before I leave, I want to piggyback off my episode from last week. And I want to make this public for everybody to know. If I just so happen to fall while wearing this uniform and serving the city of Louisville, I want it to be known that I do not want my chain of command from the chief's office to be present at any of my services. Because if I'm not good enough to utilize an open door policy to talk to you, and if I'm not good enough to be acknowledged, if I die in service to this community or if I die off duty while working for this department, I don't want to hear your sympathies and I don't want to hear how great of an officer you thought I was now that I'm dead. If I'm not good enough while I'm living and breathing, don't come and try to sympathize with my family in the event of my untimely death. But hey, God willing, it ain't no time soon. And I pray that he blesses me with many more years of life and many more years of service to this community. And I pray that he does the same for you all as well. So until the next time, this has been the Iron Pits Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll see you on the next one.